Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. your Keep Barney! Podcast, a weekly podcast in which uh, me and my buddy Mike, we tease each other, but occasionally we talk about the practice. David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice, this week we are up to season 7, episode 11, and for you, no time, no time has passed, because we dropped episodes uh, every week, even though Mike and I took two and a half weeks off, so uh, we are back, Mike is ship-lagged, he is birthdayified. How's it going, uh, birthday boy? What are you, 41 now? 40 fun. 40 fun. <laughs> uh, you know, it was cool. I was away. Like Keith said, uh, it's been a while for us, so I was even, even trying to remember how to relaunch SpaceX here, Keith, was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was a morning of events. Uh, what's cool about when you do a... So I, I was traveling Spain and Portugal. We'll talk a little bit about it uh, for the first week plus, and then there was I had a full seven-day transatlantic crossing, in which I lived on a boat with some really fascinating people. This is a really interesting cruise. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it a little bit. But what they do is instead of just like uh, jet lagging you, you get, I had six 25 hour days because they would drop an hour every night, right? Which you would think would catch you up. I would, you know, I was taking some Xanax, so I'd try to get the appropriate amount of sleep, mm-hmm. um, which was working, I thought. Uh, but the final night of the of the crossing was my birthday, and during the show we had to perform on my birthday. Uh, one of the my my castmates told the entire cruise that it was my birthday. Oh, so no. that evening, people were buying me drinks, and I was drinking them. And then and I had by to wait. buying it was it was free. Uh, so they no. were just well, yeah, no. for them, yes, no. The the I don't know. How, to be honest with you, we had no. The bars are not free. This is not an all inclusive type of cruise situation. Oh God. Um, anyhow, regardless, they were free to me, and so uh, we had to disembark the ship at like six thirty a.m. Uh, long story short, I was hella hungover, and then they flew us into Newark, and then I had to drive myself back home. So uh, so it was a whole thing, and then CEO Jen did a whole birthday thing. So. Um, I'm, uh, it's Monday, uh, I don't know where I am, what time it is, but what I do know is that we're back, baby. Mike is hungover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's still, I'm still hungover, and, um, yeah, thank, I'm so thankful that I, 
I took my PTO with an extra day because I, I need today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Well, uh, yeah, congratulations on, on your birthday. Uh, should 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 you open your present now or should we wait till, you know, let, let's open your present now and then you can talk about your trip. Okay, yeah? great. I'm supposing All my right. present is this video you told me not to watch. Is 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 this video uh, that uh, you know for uh, we're here to celebrate you and uh, your birthday. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold, hold on, on. Um, hold on. Fill for time, Keith, because what okay. I realize is that I'm going to have to. Um, uh, I'm going to have to change this so that people can hear it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that was, uh, well, uh, nonetheless, uh, I am certainly excited. I did it. You did it. Wow. Man, that was faster I, than my normal. I didn't even have to say what I was excited about. You were so fast. Because, uh, uh, you know, it, I was going to lie. I wasn't excited. I'm not really excited about anything. So let's, I mean, but I'm excited to, uh, to see your present here. Well, let me guess here. Let me do the fun. So we've done, we've gotten visitor, we've gotten viewer, visitor, vi viewer submitted cameos before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've had you splice me into the practice with that's uh, right with cameos by your wife and other mm -hmm. uh, Broadway celebs. I don't know what this this year could entail. I I made you a shitty video one year of just like a, random explosions. I think if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, you know, lower those expectations, but please, <laughs> like please twenty enjoy. minutes ago, twenty minutes ago, Keith was like, "Oh shit, I guess I should do something." Uh huh. <laughs> We're gonna throw it back to the '90s and take oh, a look at Mike's go. birthday present. Mike, 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 Mike. Mike, it is your birthday. 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 Wait, what was that last guitar riff? Was that Jill? <laughs> no, that was your wife. That's CEO Jen. Oh, wait. Hold on. Yes, this, whole, this is a collaboration. Mike, 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 Fuck yeah. Fuck with yeah. A, so it, it, you are sharing your birthday with many other important mics who we saw in there. If you, if you missed it, you know, important mics like Mike Pompeo, Michael Vick, Michael Jackson. Uh -huh. No, Mike, not normal Mike Michael Cohen, Jackson. Like Michael Jackson Mike after Pence. full crazy. Oh, yeah. That's his mugshot, actually. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> so. That was awesome. Can you put that on the Instagram, please? Because that needs to live. In I will definitely put that on the Instagram and uh, and thank CEO Jen for uh, being willing. I just sent her. I, I did the exact same thing I do with you. Yeah. Uh -huh. I I texted her. I texted her and I sent her a little voice memo. All right. Here's what I need. No no context. Mike, no Mike, no more Mike. information. I did. I, I did. You just say Mike in this rhythm. <laughs> and then to sing, Mike, it is your birthday. Like, like, just, just give me a few different options. No context, uh, no, no explanation. Oh man, that was awesome. All right, there it is. 
uh, here to celebrate Mike's 41st birthday. Now, uh, now it is time to do what we do for all of our family on their birthday. We listen to their long-winded stories about their vacation, uh, hopefully with a slideshow. Uh, no, Mike, take it away. Mike did not uh, prep the pictures, but I'll, uh, I'll 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 get a few choice ones for you uh, for next week. Um, so it was cool. This was uh, my first gig, real gig back, um, with this group uh, of Schmerzy Boys. I've, I'm I'm in a, a well, I wasn't a few, and then one of them ghosted me, which is 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 good news <laughs> because that's the one I was less than um, pleased with. Uh, so uh, I you mean the one t- that gave you COVID? Yeah, or tried to <laughs> D- tried their damnedest. Damn well tried their hardest. Um, uh, so yeah, what's cool about I think I don't know if I've mentioned it on the pod before. The way this group kind of works is there's like a stable of like you know twelve to sixteen guys, and depending on who's available or, or like dumb enough to get on a cruise ship during COVID, uh, they mix and match. So I was touring with one, did this little this this twenty some day stint with, or I guess what it was almost three weeks, so eighteen days. With a dude I'd, I'd done the show with before, and then two new guys I'd never met before. Uh, just incredibly talented. One guy, is, he was in Spider-Man, which I got all the Spider-Man juice. Oh, um, yeah. He was in that re- that recent Pippin, which was great. Like this, He's just one of the one of the sickest voices I've ever heard. I'm, 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 I'm going to ask his permission. I'm going to play a clip of he does a Whitney Houston tribute at the end of the two, because she's a Jersey girl. I don't, I don't know how. Um, they loosely work it in. And he does I Will Always Love You, but then he does these options. It's... His voice is sick. Adam Roberts. I don't know if you know him. I don't know him. Uh, well, you should. Yeah, he should be on awesome. some of your demos because he's got a Keith Varney esque uh, range. Anyhow, cool. uh, it was, and they were also really nice guys. And uh, even cooler than that, I guess the there was also Lincoln Center had a had a string quartet um, on on ship as well. And between them, they spoke like sixteen languages. They were incredibly talented. There was a dance troupe aboard, a comedian, uh, another pianist, and then the house band who played with us. And everybody was just so like thankful to be working again that the mm. atmosphere was very, uh, very collaborative and sharing. And everybody was going to each other's shows and supportive. It's just like not how the business generally works. Uh, so it was like really kind of magical in that way. Um, however, within days now the crew wasn't the crew we weren't crew but the crew wasn't allowed to get off the ship right they were because they had like strict rules and stuff surrounding covid right but within the first week uh people were getting crew members were being disembarked some crew some passengers were being disembarked for positive cases and by the end of the trip over a hundred people were quarantined not not over a hundred people were positive but they were quarantined because of possible contact tracing and, and whatnot here and so it just goes, and this was a fully vaccinated crew and passenger list. Uh, right. Fully vaccinated, all the, you know, like masks, the entire everywhere you went. I mean, this was, it was, they did it right. But it, you know, Petri dish, it is what it is. Well, <clears throat> this is what happens when uh, 40% of your country decides not to get vaccinated. You allow the disease to uh, flourish and keep going and mutate and become more powerful and more resistant to stuff because you selfish dum-dums mm-hmm. have decided, let's make this permanent as well, opposed it, it, to it let's all kill it at once. Because, you know, and, and the crews, the crews, you know, there had been talk about just shutting the, disembarking all the, and just like making it a, a quarantine boat and then just like shutting the ship down for a while. But obviously said cruise line is not going to do that because they need to make that money. And 
uh, because Florida is Florida, where we got off, thank God, was in Fort Lauderdale, but now they have to allow some unvaccinated passengers on because Florida said we can't, they have some injunction or whatever that won't allow the, the cruise line to put that injunction. So it's all hell is going to break loose. Oh, so I was happy to come home. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I got to go to, uh, we went to Barcelona, we went to Madrid, we went to Sevilla, and then I went to Portugal, where I've never been before, so Lisbon, and then uh, um, Funca- Funchal. Awesome. Some Just some great experiences. It was really fun to perform and uh, to be back and meet some incredible people. It was it was, it was was fun. What, I, what I'm taking away from it is that uh, Papa took almost two years off of playing his guitar and singing and needs to uh, get his chops back. So that's what I will take away because I sang twice. I sang four 45-minute sets over the course of two weeks and blew myself into oblivion. So I have to, uh, I have some work to do. Time to start doing them vocal push-ups? Yeah, it's time because uh, I'm also old, which I think is a factor. Um, Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I was singing with some young guys who were, I have have some work to do. But that's great. Motivation is great. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like part of that was really fun. And part of that also happened. Oh, the other thing I'll say quickly, as I do a podcast on the internet, is mm-hmm. that because the internet's so shitty in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, for this entire past week, I had my phone in its dra- in a drawer. I didn't watch television. I didn't go on the internet. I didn't text. I just listened to music and walked around and read. And then the second we got back stateside and I saw everybody's face get buried in a screen again, it, it became very clear to me how fucked up my relationship with technology is um, and how I need to sort of address that in some sort of small way. Obviously, my my livelihood depends on it, so that's, and all of my hobbies, <laughs> but... Um, and human just, connection. Yeah, you know, I, and, I need uh, to, like, look at it. I need to look at, it, like, what's necessary and what can maybe be uh, curated a bit more. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, you know, to be honest, I make more eye contact with you on my screen than I do with any other human being in all of my space and time. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to address our intimacy, Keith. <laughs> that that wasn't what I was expecting, but it's your birthday, so here we are. <laughs> Shall we? You know what I would like for my birthday, Keith? I have one ask mm. of you. Oh, do. Do tell. Let's watch a TV show together and talk about it. Okay, that sounds that sounds great. Should we do the rest of the show that we've planned, or should yeah. we just? And I'm going to try right. to like be intelligent and, and well spoken today. Why start now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's hear from people who are more intelligent and well spoken in our friends in a segment we call Filings and Subpoenas. Filings oh. and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and I'll adjust. Okay, so, uh, (laughs) oh, there I am. (laughs) So, uh, of course, we have heard from some of our good friends, and uh, some of them in in multiple languages. Ooh. In fact, uh, our good friend and moderator, Phoenix. Now, I don't know, it's it's been a long time for us, so so people are probably still celebrating, even though we've moved on. Yeah. From our being, uh, n- what, number 240-something in Portugal? Oh, baby, uh, I I, uh, I I sang a beautiful song in the middle of some, like, 
ancient amphitheater in Portugal, and I think that brought us way back up. I think we're like uh, we got to be a hundred now. Oh, I mean, in in the subgenre of whatever, whatever, whatever we are. Uh, so of course, uh, Phoenix wrote to us in Portuguese. Would you believe it? Uh, I would. would you would I you would like would you it. like to 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 read the Phoenix's uh, Portuguese? Uh, I don't have it since, in front of me. So since, no. since you've been to Portugal, I would. Uh, I, I was trying to figure out, like, is it more offensive or less offensive that I try to read it? I'm not going to, but I did translate it. Uh, and Phoenix said, in my father's native language. His father's native language oh, is yeah, Portuguese. That's right. He said, and he continues, I wish you congratulations on your notoriety. And I feel no- notoriety is the right word. Because I, I remember one of my my family had um, I forget we were playing uh, scra uh, it was it wasn't Scrabble or Pictionary uh, what was the uh, I forgot the the name where you like you come up with a word that I don't know Bald- whatever oh god not Balderdash um, it's taboo? really fun I played all the time not not taboo it's where like it, 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 it the, the word starts with a letter like you have to like all things with it are t and then oh like yeah a, yeah and you roll that little die to come up with the letter yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no idea but i know called? what you're talking all about all right there's like two people listening to us like oh it's obviously whatever we're playing that game and we had a long debate about the uh definition of notorious whether notorious had a uh, a negative connotation whether you could be yeah, evil is it a pejorative yeah, like if you're notorious for it, is it like does that make you villainous or not? Um, but uh, I think we came down that there's clearly a correlation between uh, if you are notorious for something as opposed to famous for something, like the notorious leader of the what whatever who versus invaded infamous, the whatever. Versus infamous, right? Yeah. Versus infamous versus right. So I, I think to we are uh, notorious. I think that feels appropriate. Absolutely. Because it has has a little bit of uh, villainy in it. Uh, also, we heard from our good friend, Jorge Navoa, Jorge. who has, has something that he, uh, he's going to be cooking for us for, uh, but not for this week, perhaps next week we're going to find out, but he says about, uh, about your performance of the Shmuel song, the ending of the Shmuel song always gets me. Then Thank again, you. so do about seven other songs in that show. Great performance. Uh, yeah. Earned us a, earned us a well-deserved YouTube strike. It wasn't a strike. It was just a you know a, a demonetization, and so uh, we weren't a, in any danger of victimless crime and a, pe- a penaltyless exactly. crime. At it that just point. means we're not going to get paid for our incompetence. Oh wow! But uh, we knew that. So uh, Mike, if other people wanted to uh, get us YouTube strikes by uh, playing stuff for us, how would they do it? That was a terrible transition. Yeah, we're that didn't we're make rusty. Any sense? Uh, of well, course not. It didn't make there? any sense. I'm just making mouth noises till we're done. Hey, listen. Uh, haven't I haven't been able to get emails for weeks? So uh, mm. send me some out of practice podcast at gmail.com. We read the emails, guys. Send them our way. Even if you've already sent a million, uh, cook up another one. If you want to hit us up on the social media, we're at out of practice podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. And hey, don't forget, we're on the YouTube for those of you listening. And I know that more, many more of you listen than watch the YouTube. And we're just doing it for nothing. But guess what? You can watch us on YouTube and look at these beautifully tanned faces. Face. Mm. Face. You can do that uh, by searching Out of Practice Podcast or KME Entertainment on YouTube. And then comment below. Moderator Phoenix Cage will get back to you. Or maybe we will. On top of that, 
smash subscribe, smash the mm-hmm. notification bell so you can be bothered while you're working to let you know we have more nonsense on the internet. That's right. I mean, chances are, if you're on the YouTubes, you're probably at work. We're, yeah. we're a second screen somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would like to be your second screen uh, experience while you're doing your actual job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd, we'd be honored. All right. Well, thank you very much. It is now time. Are you ready? We have we have not gotten to the time machine in a while, Mike. It's true. It's true. But here we are. We have an opportunity. An opportunity to talk about January 27th, the year 2003. We're going to talk a little bit more about why that date you know if 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 you're someone who understands dates you're like huh that doesn't seem right that's not what it should be but it is we're going to talk about it but first surprisingly we're going to talk about ourselves in a segment we call <laughs> this day in the basement okay that that didn't work <laughs> the video didn't play okay oh that was good that, that went well oh that's perfect perfect all right so what were you doing January 27th, 2003. So, uh, 2003. We were in 2002. Now we're in 2003. Uh, CEO Joe wants me to, everybody to recognize she bought me balloons. Oh, so cute. They are in the shop. Uh, she was concerned oh. they wouldn't be in the shot. They aren't in the two shop because uh, Michigas is happening, but they mm-hmm, are in mm-hmm. the wide. Just so you know, honey. Beautiful. And so beautifully out of focus with your with your, uh, with your with your excellent lens there. What? How many millimeters are you? What kind of lens uh, are you using this, to get well, me that? Well, this is a uh, depth of uh, focus. It's, it's is a thirty-five millimeter lens, but because of the, it's a it's a crop factor of like one point two, so it's really, it's sort of like it's closer to fifty with that nifty fifty. Anyway, wow, very good. Uh, two things I want to mention about this date, uh, because as I've mentioned before, I jumped a year, and so like uh, basically everything's out of skew. So I'm still in school. We're wrapping up. We're getting ready to wrap up. But um, January twenty seventh was my girlfriend at the time's uh birthday but i think i've mentioned that uh, our breakup ended up being kind of uh, one-sided but uh this was her birthday and i knew <laughs> that i was like headed in that direction and so it's really like uh, remember that torturous f- phase i'm not used to it because i generally do not do the breaking up uh, mm-hmm. i'm usually the breakup e but this was like that feeling of like pain because i know i probably should not have like gone through the motion of the birthday and knowing that I was like going down a breakup route, but I did it anyway mm-hmm. because like uh-huh. I was sort of a coward and young and like, uh, so that I'm isn't very mem- familiar with that. Yes. Yeah, so that's not a memory I particularly care for because uh, the feeling feels dirty and like sort of like, uh, what's the word? I guess I don't have a good word birthday for it. of lies. Yeah, just like it's not dishonesty. It is, but it's like emotional dishonesty. <laughs> I mean, still, you still care for a person, but you don't. And you know where your head, like where the road is leading, but you know, it's like people who are like, oh, I can't believe you broke up with me on Christmas, and you're like, yeah, but like, what do you want them? To, what's the alternative? They just lie through the holiday. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, weird dynamic. By the way, I'm just gonna quick throw this in there. Speaking of that, yeah, I downloaded a bunch of shows to watch while I was gone. And I know this is an entirely different segment, but I'm, I downloaded a little show, Keith. I think you will love. It's on Showtime, so maybe you can find it off the back of a truck somewhere. Uh, but it's called Couples Therapy. And it is mm. legitimately, it follows this one therapist, and the, these couples have signed off to let their very intimate couples oh, therapy so it's, it's, be it's filmed. Real. It is real It's a documentary, not because there was, uh, In Treatment was a great show yes. of fake this, therapy. And this follows, and they're not all successful, obviously, just by statistically, but it is, if you're not, if you're one of those people who's like, oh, therapy's not for me, or you're, you, have, you, have, you don't kind of 
have that personal experience. This is the best documentation I've seen visually of what the work is like. Um, mm. So it's I recommend it. it's on Showtime. There are two full seasons. The third season's coming out next year. It's called Show. It's called Couples Therapy. They're nine episodes each of like forty minutes, so it's very bingeable, and it is a, a great, great show. Couples Therapy Showtime. All right, cool. The other thing I want to say about January twenty seventh, which I think is really, really cool, is all growing up, my whole life, not just two thousand three, my whole life, my best friend growing up, Ronnie P, uh, his birthday was January twenty seventh. So like all of my childhood memories. Uh, are mostly with this guy. <clears throat> and all these years later, at, in a stroke of just like sort of magic, his children go to school with my brother's children and two of my brother's daughters and two of my old best friend's daughters have become best friends. No kidding. And so at all the birthday parties and all the things, which I'm now kind of a part of because I've moved back here for a little while, temporarily, uh, they they're, he's there. So like, all these years later, like he's been reintroduced into my life through his children and my brother's children being best friends. It's just like this weird, weird, random spinning of the globe. And you remember that, like, no matter how far you travel and all these things, like, the world is t- this is teeny tiny. So um, his birthday was January twenty seventh as well. So I guess in two thousand three, I wasn't thinking about him because we had kind of uh, we had lost our friend, kind of we just lost touch. But uh, but it wouldn't be long before he would be reintroduced to me. So that's uh, that's my this day in the basement. Okay. Yeah, well I am I'm excited about my this day in the basement because uh I went back into the emails and I emailed my father the review, the New York Times review to a uh, a certain Broadway musical that uh I'm just going to read you a little clip of the review and then I'll tell you what the show was and what I did. Uh so this is from the New York Times. Hopes were high that this musical might be in the league of platinum-plated flops like Carrie and Moose Murders. And it's true that there are moments that climb into the stratosphere of legendary badness. No one, even after a quart of straight gin, would be able to erase the memory of Mr. Crawford as a blood-sucking aristocrat and Manny Gonzalez as his toothsome prey, shrieking a revised version of Mr. Steinman's pop-hit, Total Eclipse of the Heart. The scene is perfectly accessorized by a phalanx of pasty hooded creatures holding, I swear, what appear to be flashlights beneath their faces like monsters in a homemade spook house. And uh, if you already know, you know. I am, of course, talking about the original Broadway production of Dance of the Vampires. Oh, I thought you were reading a new member of our jury. I thought that was a review of us. <laughs> Yes, indeed. And there is a picture of Michael Crawford and Mandy Gonzalez. So I read this review and I didn't have a lot of money, but I was like, there's no way I am missing this. In fact, uh, I saw in the New York Times this ad that said there's only 11 chances left to see Dance of the Vampires. So guess what? I spent money I didn't have. And of course, I went to go see Dance of the Vampires. Was it everything you wished it would be? Oh my God. It was stunning. There's there's no way, and I've tried over the years to describe this show, and it's impossible. Who Um, wrote the score? Was it Steinman? It was Jim Jim Steinman, right. So there's a lot of like all the old meatloaf stuff. 
And it was uh, really, really quite, I, I mean, it was astounding. So much more to and this is Michael Crawford of Phantom fame. And Manny Gonzalez, of course, from In the Heights and Hamilton. And it was this giant, giant show. Like, spectacular. And was the stories behind it will go on forever. Uh, was it, I could do was it, it like loosely based on Dracula or anything like that? It's it's not Dracula. It's sort of an original ish story. Uh, but yes, it borrows a lot from Dracula, and it's uh, it is a German colossal hit. It is still running in Germany as Tanz der Vampire which uh, apparently was a much better version. There's many stories of Michael Crawford and perhaps might have uh, been the one to founder this production. Uh, here is my ticket stub. Wow, man. I saw it on January 23rd, Ooh, so 2003. Close. And uh, I also have in my... I, I keep notes in each playbill of uh about whatever impressions i had about the show and what do i do what do i how do i what do i use for my notes i uh cut up my first headshots <laughs> and use them as note cards yeah well <laughs> so, at least for a second you're getting your money's worth baby return yes, on so, investment r o i exactly so i saw this with my roommate jenny uh i wrote full cast nobody was out it was the last week of the show and one word wow <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing else to say about that, but uh, if you can find a boot, it's it's good because you can get some sense of it. But it was so astoundingly large in production; it's it's hard to describe all the things that you miss on a bootleg. But it also starred none other than uh, Emmy-nominated practice guest star and Star Trek legend Rene Auberginois okay. was in that cast uh doing this crazy patter song anyway uh whatever you can find about dance of the vampires look it up it it is jaw-dropping it is a life-changing it it began my obsession with flops mm. uh that's I, I was like that that was it i'm now obsessed with this um i've run into many many friends who have done were similarly obsessed. Um, every time I like meet a cast member, it's all I can do not to like grill them like you did with Spider-Man. So uh, anyway, so uh, there it is. That's what I was doing. Very memorable. I have a poster, but it's in storage. Uh, all right. So let us, before we talk fully about the day in the world, we have some practice news. You know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to okay. save it. Let's do, let's do, when we do talk about the episode but so now let's do it's time for the out of practice podcasts this day in the world the greatest hits the biggest movies headlines from vermont essential sports updates and for some inexplicable reason the weather from 20 years ago now back to keith and mike well folks we as i said are talking about january 27th the year 2003 we were now only about a month and a half away from the start of the Iraq War, so the Burlington Free Press talked about Powell losing patience. Of course, Colin Powell. The top movie was Darkness Falls, which took in $12 million. I saw it in the theaters, hoping it was going to be The Ring. 
guess what? It wasn't. But what we did miss over that time period was Lord of the Rings The Two Towers came out, uh, which was really good. I saw that in the theaters too, I think in Vermont. Super fun and the top song, of course, we're all bouncing to it right now. Lose Yourself, Eminem was still dominating the charts. All right, that was definitely worth it to go back. I love the it's, it's I love the transparency. It's kind of scary on Darkness Falls. We've both layered stuff over each other's face today. That's uh, it's important. It's, it's All right, yeah. now it is time for the most important segment of the episode. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. sports, sports, sports. The New York Football Giants finished the season 10-6, and six, setting up a wild-card matchup against Jeff Garcia's San Francisco 49ers in San Fran. With four minutes remaining in the third quarter, the Giants were crushing it, up 38-14, and looked unbeatable. Then the wheels came off. The Niners scored 25 unanswered points and pulled ahead 39-38 with one minute remaining. But the Giants raced down the field to set up a game-winning 41-yard field goal with six seconds remaining. No sweat, right? The snap is bad. The Giants holder panics. No kick. He throws it deep. The receiver is tackled before the ball gets there. Don't worry. It's pass interference. Don't worry. It was only third down. We could have just spiked it and kicked it again. No problem. What's that? We didn't do that? What's that? They didn't call pass interference? Oh my god, what's that? We should have won and had a team capable of making a real Super Bowl run that year, but a bad snap from a long snap aside just days before the game after an injury cost them one of the best teams we've won in the last 20 years. Not salty about this one at all. So 19 years later, not salty at all. Meanwhile, the Eagles had a bye and began their playoff run at home versus the Falcons in the divisional round. They won 20-6 over Michael Vick, setting up the NFL Championship game at Veterans Stadium in Philly. Win this game and you face the Raiders in the Super Bowl in a rematch of the game that banned Mike from being an Eagles fan for 25 years. <laughs> they lost. Yeah, that that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I'm still in pain over Ugh. that game. That was Ugh. bad, man. Oh, that was real, real bad. And now I just shouted out the rest of my voice and blew out the mic. Uh, you know, I'm not in shape either. All right, these things happen. All right, but you know what else does happen? I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to is it god i don't know you know you know that drums well drums, I, drums, I gotta redo the, the, all this i, I, I gotta redo it all <laughs> oh no mike's so sad <clears throat> i gotta redo all the graphics i've been trying to just like ride the same obs preset but i think i just gotta build her from scratch but whatever anyway keep tell me about the episode okay well all right so as i teased before it is now time to talk about why january 27th feels weird because, you know, it's just going to stick in your craw. Like, something about that's not that's not right. That's that's not right. And I'll tell you why. 
because January 27th is not a Sunday. It is, in fact, a Monday. The practice has been moved from Sunday nights to Monday nights. And we didn't know it yet, but this was going to have dire consequences for our show. Uh, The ratings on Monday, up against Monday Night Football, are are going to go off a cliff, having uh, some consequences for our dear friends in Boston. But we are not going to talk about that yet. Uh, But this is the moment, folks, where uh, the ratings start to crater. Uh, Nonetheless, our ratings are also cratering, but we're still going to keep going. If it's a crater that was created uh, eons ago, Keith, is it still a, is it cratering or is it already a crater? It's already in our it, case, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I continue mean, a crater, to crater, continue yeah, to well, have been cratered. And crater is exactly the right term because it means going below zero. Like mm-hmm. it, it's like a flat line, and then we mm-hmm. somehow went down Our from a flat line. Was so intense. <laughs> at first that it just blew a hole and we could never escape from it <laughs> all right well this episode season seven episode 11 down the hatch is written by david e kelly with a story by cindy Lichman, who last wrote on target practice and directed by christina musray who last directed on small sacrifices all right it is finally finally time to ask Mike a very important question. <laughs> Took me that long to find it. What is that I start to mean? Obama when I can't find the What's kid. your problem? Uh, uh, time to is this what happens Mike. to women when you insert uh, your penis? Very important. What? 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 what does Mike think's gonna happen? Birthday edition. You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Well, Keith, as I drink this mimosa at uh, one o'clock on a Monday, mm. Coke I ask zero, myself, baby. what could what could help uh, precipitate the cratering? Uh, mm. What might we do to counter to counteract it that fails miserably? And I think, well, what did we do before that was pretty stupid? Well, we made Jimmy a uh, degenerate gambler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what fun. if we took one of our cast members, I don't know, let's take one that, I don't know, let's see, who would be great to screw up? Uh, well, Rebecca hasn't even been on the show lately, so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and we've already fucked with Lindsay, Bobby's been going nuts, that sort of leaves us, Eleanor! Ah. How about Eleanor, It we find out, is an alcoholic, Keith. Oh. She's just an alcoholic degenerate, um, mm. and gets in some trouble. And we got to pull her out now. All right. So we're going to continue the shark jump with degenerate alcoholic Eleanor, uh, who is uh, trying a case. And uh, we smell booze on her breath and she get in some trouble. That's my guess mm. for this week. Okay. All right. That, uh, yeah, that's interesting. And how is that sexy? Um, well, it means Cameron. She's sexy. All right. Fair enough, fair enough. Right. And she well, drinks we will... some and she drinks a sexy drink. She doesn't just like guzzle. Mm. You know, she's like drinking uh, a Boulevardier. That's okay, sexy. all right. Right. Well, we will That's we a thing, definitely. Right? Oh, sure. 
We will try to uh, put back uh, the pejorative of degenerate for the very <laughs> difficult disease of alcoholism that we... <laughs> no, what, we'll my, what, hold on. Back. Let me come back to the two shot. <laughs> <laughs> the very serious two shot. Um, <laughs> so I that I can look you, you in the beard. eye. I can, that I can look you in the eye, audience, and say that I'm very sympathetic to the plight. Uh, and but what I'm saying is that, of course, the show is not going to handle it with the respect it deserves. Nair does it ever. Um, no, of so, course. Yes, what I meant is so. Eleanor is an alcoholic, but only for Boulevardiers uh, with the very sensitive <laughs> disease of alcoholism. <laughs> no, 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 for no, for sure. It was in canon. The the <laughs> word was used in canon. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. And we're finally canceled. <laughs> Happy Can't birthday! Believe it took this long. <laughs> hey, do you want to get canceled with us? You can do so by being associated with us and listening to us listen to season seven down the hatch. We'll catch you back for the canceled oopsie awards, where I'm sure none of those videos will work either. After we watch the episode, we'll catch you on the flip. You know what that's called? That's a doocy don't. Doocy don't. I didn't even do it right. You oh, fucked Jesus. up the word I was going to make fun of you. I couldn't even say it wrong right. Uh, what's going to be weeks? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let the dance of the vampires take us into season mm. seven, episode eleven. Just nice and tasty down the hatch. Mm. Pinch your nose and turn off your taste. That's what buds. they said nine o'clock. They did. Snow? Do we really think they're going to settle Boston. now? Twelve hours before we start. That's when they all settle. Maybe we should put our jackets on. I read an article. Lawyers look more formidable in their coats. Jimmy. They're coming in here to either settle or not. I doubt it'll turn on whether or not we're wearing jackets. They're here. Show them in. Why does Lucy have ribbons on her shoulder? Sorry, we're a little late. That Janet okay. Jackson vibe. Please. They're gonna be like, no jackets? Uh, Jimmy put his on. The fun gig. Gag? Gag. We're declining to make an offer. Any offer? Look, how you got past summary judgment still remains a mystery. The point is, we did. Eugene, you would have rejected the number we were toying with anyway. That but looks familiar. the feeling is that the precedent uh -huh. of any number would be All right, folks. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Folks, this is, uh, this is an important moment for the practice because we are watching a uh, a record be broken and a uh, a record that is not even finished being broken but this is gregory itzen in his fourth character on the practice he was attorney al daly in save the mule michael stanfield in liberty bell david anderson in judge not and now mark grundle don't worry, there's only one, but uh, you do get your, I guess, you, I, I don't have a, a fourth appearance bumper, so here's the third one he has already received, but Mike's going to rap along with it to mm -hmm. celebrate. 
We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. He mumbles. He but after a Super Bowl guest star, you've come <laughs> charging back for more. He's back. So oh, welcome oh. back to he went to the store. His socks smelling. He bought that great dress. That you were here before in season four, and you Massachusetts scenery. First you were a judge who was a bit of a dick. Now you are a teacher who's a bit of a dick. In silence of the lens, you were a bit of a dick. In real life, I'm sure that you're a really nice guy. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Sewage is harder to rhyme with than I thought. Oh. My God. That Aren't was... you happy that you donated and bought your subscription to the Out of Practice podcast? I wow. was rapping in a fury. Welcome to the jury, and I'm out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, that was definitely a mic drop. <laughs> now, do you put me in league with Dance of the Vampires? I mean, do I have, can wow. I at least be infamous? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you what puts you in league with Dance of the Vampires. The fact that you are out of sync with the music in my ears. <laughs> well, you know, I'm pretty good imp- uh, improv guy, but uh, rarely am I asked to rap uh, out of the blue and over a bumper. So I haven't even heard the thing all put together, but uh, hello from the season ending oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going in the future? Because we oh, know we're going to play that. <laughs> All I knew is I was going to try to, I, I don't know, I, once I started trying to rhyme Grundle, I should have known it was downhill. Anyway, back to the episode. Oh, it was a bundle of fun. If every problem drinker starts suing us... This problem drinker is dead. Rebecca, it's not that we don't sympathize. Oh, you so just Eleanor's won't cough up drunk. a nickel. Look me in the eye and tell me that you would advise my client to settle here. All right. Oh, so we're going up against big alcohol now. We are going up against big alcohol. Okay. Look, you came all the way over here at 9 night. Big oil. Is there room for negotiation or are you just messing just bad news? But not the uh, big asbestos. No, no, no. $125,000 sealed, no admission of liability. We can't on principle. This was a kid. He died of alcoholism. Your client bears some responsibility and you won't take it on principle? Okay, look, this need not get ugly. We'll see you tomorrow. Do the research on us, Mark, would you? Meaning? When we try cases. We win. It gets ugly. We kick you in the grundle. Eugene, this isn't criminal. This is a civil case. Lawyers tend to be, what's the word? Civil. I think what Eugene is getting at is we're going to plan B the living shit out of you. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think you scared them. Well, thanks for being a team player, Jim. (laughs) Okay, so we're taking on big alcohol. That's a new one. We haven't you know done what? that before. Uh, I'll tell you what's great is Rebecca had some lines. That's right. She's still on the show. What do you so know? That, that gives me uh, hope. Now, let's ask ourselves, is Rebecca going to try this case? Are we going to see her outside of this one initial meeting? That's my big question for the episode so far. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, it's a good good question. I certainly hope so. You know, they uh, just announced that... Ohio State Murders, uh, the play, is going to Broadway, I think, with Audra McDonald next year. 
And uh, who did the uh, original off-Broadway production in 2007? But Lisa Gay Hamilton. Hey. He began to have a problem in high school in his senior year. A drinking problem. Yes, I mean, it wasn't that he was terribly into parties. Uh, Michael was an athlete. But it started with beer, and it sort of shifted into hard alcohol. His mother and I got him into a treatment program. Was this successful? Yes, for a year or two. But then in college, he got into the frat scene. There was a... What happened? His grades suffered. He didn't graduate. His friends abandoned him. We did an intervention in 1999. In April 2000, he was released. He spiraled down from there. Uh, he was living on the streets. He died of alcohol poisoning that spring. And you're blaming Portis Brewery for your son's death? He primarily drank their beer in high school. I'm certainly aware that there were other beers, but for the most part, it was Portis. So that's, that's, that's an intricate detail because it's not we're not suing the uh it's not like we're suing the tobacco industry right we were this is akin to we were we were suing one particular brand of cigarettes right and this is one like a local brewery so it's uh, an interesting uh that's a right, wrinkle right well i think even when they were suing i don't think you can sue an entire industry even in the tobacco sense i i might be wrong on that but i feel like they were always going after one specific company but the industry you know, bound together not to mm -hmm. set that precedent. Uh, but yeah, he's basically like suing Coors Light. Or I guess in this case, he's suing no, Sam Adams. Yeah, it's a small business, really, it sounds like. A local brewery, that's... Yeah. Unless unless it's a bigger thing and they're just like changing the names to... Yeah, Yeah, I guess Did it could he be have either way, but let's introduce him. Yep. Played the wrong bumper. That was awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, guess what? This guy is played by Michael Boffshever, who is also playing a Man, different character. Cool. He was Walter Crusen in The Blessing. It's only your second character. It barely even counts, but guess what? You still get. <laughs> You're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before But now you make twice the residuals arriving at your door So welcome back to the practice I'll pretend that I recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise First you were a killer, but now you set free First appearance made the killer, but you had a goatee You made me fool someone different, but you don't fool me We were here to judge, but you just might be Welcome back to the practice tonight no. Bumpers are plenty. Michael was an athlete. He admired athletes. He watched all those beer commercials they run during the games. He saw his favorite ball players endorsing Portis and other beers like they were nutrition drinks. These companies targeted my son and other young kids. Drinking is cool. Drinking will get you girls. Well, it is not cool. We fired in favor of the Oh, and ordered the defendant to pay no damages. Robert. I don't know. Guys, this is all Keith. I, wanted, I want the blame to be properly... No, uh, no. It's the same thing that happened last time with the updated soundboard. Oh, I got to disable hotkeys. Is that going to oh. work now? Mm -hmm. Keith. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Guys, do you smell toast, Keith? 
<laughs> what is happening? How do I how do I make it stop? I need to be able to type while this is happening. Is it your testimony, <laughs> oh, no. sir? Your son thought beer was a nutritional drink when he began consuming it? That question reflects the very arrogance of your client who refuses to take responsibility for contributing to a young man's death. Do you take any responsibility, Mr. Barry? Your son was underage, drinking illegally. Let me ask you, do you drink? In moderation. Responsibly? Yes. Your son was raised in a household where his parents drank moderately and responsibly. Yes. We find and when in your favor son of entered his high school years, did you ever talk to your son the about the dangers of drinking? Many times. In the amount you feel you adequately informed him as to all of the risks? I can't figure Look, out how to fix it. No matter what parents say, it is hard to compete with the images of fun and social acceptance that is being marketed by the alcohol industry. My question is, do you feel you adequately informed your son as to the potential risks of consuming alcohol? Yes. Thank you, sir. And I'm very sorry for your loss. I thought alcohol companies were exempt from these lawsuits. No one is exempt from fraud. They lie when they say they don't market to kids. Can I help you? Yes. I'm looking for Eleanor Frutt. I'm Eleanor Frutt. Hello, my name is There's Stephen Marshall. I'd like to hire you. Is there some place we can talk? I guess I should just get right to it. I'm the warden of Goffstown Correctional Facility in New Hampshire. One of my inmates is Denise Freeman. She shot two young boys who were playing in the park. She's scheduled to be executed next week. It's the first execution in New Hampshire in many years, so maybe you read about it. I hadn't, actually. How can I help? I'd like you to stop it. Her execution? Yes. I read where you got a death sentence overturned several years ago. I drove down here on the chance that you could possibly work your magic again. You're the warden trying to halt the execution? Yes. Are you against the death penalty? No, not at all. No. In fact, I think we should employ it more often. But we shouldn't be killing Denise Freeman. She's not the same person who committed those crimes. I know they all claim that, but she really isn't. That's why I drove down here. To convince you to help save an extraordinary woman. This is an interesting thing. Let's introduce the fellow. Who's Yes, indeed, and his name is Rudolph Wilrick, who you would know, uh, you know what, let's just do his Star Trek credits on Enterprise. He was Captain Kulan on Next Generation. He was writing Grax in Menage a Troy, and on Deep Space Nine, he was Academy Commandant in Paradise Lost Star Trek. Oh, don't you even dare. This is Sheila Berry. She was just awarded Sister of the Year. Shut up. North America only. She competes for World Sister of the Year next month. Yeah, and I score special endurance points for having you as my little brother. Let me tell you a little bit about Sheila. Let's not. She makes up her own words playing Scrabble. She... No, I don't. 
Yeah, I was gonna say the exact same thing. Like, what is this videotape? Who shot it? Why is it? Does it exist? That was your brother, Michael. Yes. Does that video fairly reflect his personality? He had an amazing sense of humor. He was shy. You don't get that from the video. He was very shy. I think that was one of the reasons he drank at parties. Socially, he was a little uncomfortable until he got to know people. When was the last time you saw your brother? About a month before he died. Where'd you see him? My apartment. He came to ask me for money. He was living on the streets. Did you loan him money? I told him he could move in with me if he wanted to. But I wasn't going to give him money so he could just go buy liquor. I begged him to get help. But he just walked away. That was the last time I ever saw him. I have nothing further. I should point out the sister is played by Katie Kalaki, who has the interesting distinction of having her character's name spelled wrong in the credits. No because, question, Because uh, the character is there twice and spelled differently in each episode. It isn't exactly great timing for us to be taking a pro bono case. I'm not saying I definitely want to take it on, but I'd like to meet with her, see who she is, what she is. She's in New Hampshire? Yes. I thought I would drive up there with Jamie this afternoon. Evidently, she runs this talk straight program for troubled kids that... The warden came here personally. I really think I should go. I'll say yes with one word of caution. Protect yourself. I'm sure there'll either be a guard or a partition or... I'm not talking physically. You're about to emotionally invest in somebody who odds are will be dead in a week. I won't invest emotionally. Right. Protect yourself. Yeah. Bring a sword. No, don't bring a sword. The cause of death was alcohol poisoning. Dr. Michael Berry went in and out of many treatment programs. This is Michael Winters. Why couldn't he be cured? Because he was addicted. Uh, you mean he lacked the will to stop? That oversimplifies it. People think alcoholics lack willpower. I wish it were that easy. The brain chemistry is changed. Telling a severely impaired alcoholic not to drink is like telling someone not to go to the bathroom. We're talking about an overwhelming urge related to a bodily function. Come on, doctor. It's not like he had no choice here. He hey, everybody. Uh, it's Mike here. I recognize Hi, that for the past probably seven minutes uh i've been muted uh, keith has heard me but you haven't oh uh, there was a time and a place where we would go back in time and i would re-record those seven minutes but uh, i've decided for my birthday that i'm not going to do that uh i'm oh. going to let you just piece together what we might have been talking about <laughs> boy from, i <laughs> from what keith has said <laughs> i sure hope we didn't miss the rap as long as we didn't no, miss no, no, the, we rap, got the rap it was, it was when i okay. went to use the restroom keith and came oh, back. you had a uh, you had a biological function you could not ignore. Yeah, and uh, so I wanted to hear the episode, so I turned it up, and so then I muted my microphone, so it didn't double bounce back. I, I over the past few minutes, I have commented, um, basically, I don't know, 
I don't know what we've talked about, but uh, I think Keith has covered a lot of the good stuff. Happily, we've uh, we were spared the bounce back and also Mike's bathroom noises. So, uh, so you didn't get his talking noises, but thank God, you were well, truly spared. It's probably only been about five minutes, so hopefully you were interesting, Keith. He chose to drink initially. Of course he did. Like smokers choose to smoke, like people choose to use cocaine. But once the I believe what I said was that it was highly. It was uh, my task was that I think it was Bobby was very emotionally uh, acute with uh, in tune over? with Eleanor, and I thought that was impressive. Uh, I think that's about all I, I've offered. No. I mean, Bobby's over the past, I mean, I mean, for the past two years, that is literally all I've offered. Addiction yeah, look, took you've, hold. You've he taken was up robbed a great deal of, of time. his free will. <laughs> that kid was dying on the street, homeless. For God's sake, does anybody think he chose that? Many alcoholics do recover, as do many smokers. That doesn't mean the addiction's not real. But doctor, you make it sound like an involuntary affliction. When in fact, I make it you... sound like a disease, counsel. The very definition of disease is an involuntary disability, which Michael Berry had. May I be allowed to finish my questions? You may, but if you wrongfully restate my answers, I'll interrupt. Doctor, this isn't a rugby match. What is the likelihood, rugby? if one drinks moderately, that he or she will become addicted to alcohol? I can't answer that. No one can. Alcohol affects people differently. We need to do more studies, which they haven't done. In your experience, if someone drinks moderately, how likely is it? It's extremely likely that young kids won't drink moderately. If a person drinks responsibly in moderation, he or she is not likely to become addicted. That would be fair. Thank you. External shot of the prison. It's been snowing. This lady is played by Margarita Reyes. Hey, and you holy crap! Who's dead? Oh my god, is that Alfie Woodard? Who's dead? It sure as hell it is, but who is she in the show? We didn't let it play long enough. We don't need to know. All we need to know is it's Alfie Woodard is here. Oscar nominee, Alfre Woodard. She was Oscar nominated for Cross Creek. She has 16, count them, 16 Emmy nominations, including four wins. Uh, she was in Captain America, Civil War, 12 Years a Slave, Luke Cage, State of Affairs, Desperate Housewives, Saint Elsewhere. She was in Annabelle, which uh, Jillian and I are now watching all of the Conjuring movies. Boy, they get bad. But most importantly... She was in Star Trek First Contact and was the person that Picard spoke this line to. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. You broke your little ships. You see, we're on a bit of a time crunch here. I'm scheduled to be killed next week. If I'm gonna help you, I need to make fast progress. Now, how about we let that anger give way to greed then? You will probably be the last person who gets to talk to me. You could write an article. Get paid for it. 
Lots of good things that come from you talking to me. Janice, it all starts with your eyes finding mine. Hear that, Mike? Eye contact. I can't tell you how many kids whose lives she's rerouted. No <laughs> she I connects with every single one. Too. She'll get to this one, too. You watch. All the appeals are exhausted? Everyone. What's with the red lighting? There's here? a petition for a stay with the Supreme on Court. There. That's not going to happen. Is he like the devil? Look, as I said, I'm pro-death penalty. But this one... She's something. No, he's the worst. The problem is I am also a murderer. Or at least I was before I got on the medication. I shot a 13-year-old boy playing on a jungle gym. So Alfred and then is the I person we're the trying to save. And shot him. Okay, well, hold on. So that that first woman we saw was not. That was like no, a, a switcheroo. It's a fake out. Yeah, so she's also was, like helping her fellow inmates. Is what we're getting right, here. and that's one of the reasons that they're. The warden is trying to save her is that she's become a very influential person helping other inmates. His 11-year-old brother. I was every bit the monster the prosecution made me out to be. You need to be clear about that. You mentioned medication. What medication? I've been on a psychotropic cocktail for the last eight years. And before you took it? Monster. You weren't listening. Did you argue diminished capacity at the trial? Yes. It failed. Hmm. The jury saw me sane since I was medicated for the trial also. Interesting. Forced. Sorry? The medication you took for the trial, was it forced? Well, it had to be. I, I had no capacity to consent. Why? I'm just searching for an angle. Well, the insanity one's been tried. We need to come up with something else. You seem. Jamie well, is with Eleanor. Most Chimino, death row inmates said have a little desperation going. And to be noted, especially why isn't as the day Rebecca? gets closer. Is there a way you want me to act? No. Was Jamie in the initial meeting? She wasn't. No, it was just Eleanor. Oh, Rebecca. But, you know, the funny thing is, there is a calm that comes with it. Actually, I'm a prolific warrior. But now, you know, I'm not afraid of getting cancer, financial security, problems in the Middle East. You know, none of that gets to me. I'm going to be dead in a week. There's a calm that comes. Underneath the cool, I'm going to be dead in a week. Do I really need to make a showing of desperation? She's great. Alcohol addiction is both genetic and social. Yeah, what social. do you know? Alfred Woodard's Some of the actor. predisposition is in the brain chemistry. She was so much better than everyone else in Annabelle. It was like rude. Lives. But doctor, my question is, is it possible a person can become addicted to alcohol without drinking excessively? We have not proven it, but my opinion is it's absolutely possible. How? This is well, Charlotte the limbic Cornwell. system in the brain is very different in people who suffer from alcoholism. How do we know this? Autopsies. Problem is, we can't be sure what came first. Is it the alcoholism that altered the brain, or 
Is it the abnormal brain that caused the alcoholism? Hmm. It may very well be that many people are born alcoholics waiting to happen. Michael Berry could have been one of them. Have you found a single person who became an alcoholic who didn't drink excessively? No. But the reason he drank heavily could be the genetic makeup of his brain. That's what people don't get. Did you study the brain of Michael Berry? No, because no autopsy was ever done. So you have no idea as to the genetic makeup of the plaintiff? That's correct. Eugene is looking at a picture, hey. an old picture. How's it going? Uh, so far, so good. The case is still a long shot, but we'll see. Your brother? Yeah. Hard to believe, almost nine years since he died. He was an alcoholic. Is that in play at all? Did you come in to check on the case or me? I know you fully appreciate the difficulty of the case. I do wonder whether that appreciation could get blurred. Why is Bobby being Rebecca in this episode? It's mission. Bobbity Cricket. I'm not on a mission. Did alcohol help kill my brother? Yes. But that hardly puts me in a small group. Half the adult population in this country has alcoholism in their family. That's a point worth arguing. I plan to. Eugene, I feel like it's getting harder and harder for you and me just to have a conversation. Bobby, you didn't come in here to have a conversation. You came in here worried about my objectivity because of how my brother... Like you say, I have a full appreciation of the difficulty of the case, and if an offer does come in, I'll recommend settlement to the client. Okay. It's an interesting case. I look forward to talking about it in the oopsies, but... I think the biggest problem with my insanity defense was that it played so stereotypically. I heard voices. I thought they were a mandate from God. You know, there's somebody like me on Dateline once a week. I think the jury just went, yeah, yeah, next. And the actual diagnosis? Paranoid schizophrenia. Do you have a memory of the killings? They haven't found the medication yet to erase memory. Can you tell me what you remember? Can you tell me how that's relevant? Denise, as you said to that young girl, we're a little crunched for time. So I need you to let me be the lawyer and trust me to decide what's relevant. If the memory's vivid, I want to know. If not, I want to know that too. Tell me what you remember. Eleanor's so good. In the moment, time slowed down. I saw the bullets travel. I saw them floating through the air like feathers. They hit the skulls. Two incredibly sweet little boys. These floating feathers just made their heads go poof, poof. 
weren't vivid enough. That's how you do a bloody gurgles monologue without overdoing it, kids. Yes, sir. Alcoholism is something we all need to be concerned with, and we are at Portis. I guess the question becomes, how do you manifest that concern? First, by putting warnings on every single one of our products. But I'll tell you something, we probably should do a better job of publicizing the health benefits. The benefits? Absolutely. Studies now show that having a drink or two of alcohol every day can help fight heart disease. Evidence is now coming in that it can even promote mental health and possibly prevent Alzheimer's. Some doctors are recommending to their patients that they consume moderate amounts of alcohol to promote general health, well-being, and longevity. Is the defendant testifying in the narrative? Mr. Carroll, a young man died here. And it's a tragedy. My heart goes out to his family. I had a nephew who was killed by a drunk driver, and I'm angry about it to this day. But I'll tell you, this country as a whole is vigilant about this. We have mothers against drunk drivers. We have PSAs on every channel. In our own advertisements, we warn about drinking and driving. This isn't some obscure, latent peril lurking in the bushes. The message on irresponsible drinking is out there, and it's been out there for many, many years. Our industry has spent millions of dollars on that message, and I'll tell you something else. The majority of Americans get it. Objection! Mr. Grundle, you need to ask your client a question. He only need respond Mr. to that question. Mr. Grundle. Mr. Carroll, Mr. what Grundle. about the specific problem of this underage drinking? Doug Ballard? We fund numerous educational awareness programs, more than any other industry. We pay to train vendors not to sell to kids. We agree with the law which raises the legal drinking age from 18 to 21. And let's think about that. You can vote. You can fight in a war. You're considered an adult for the purpose of the law in every single way at the age of 18. And we still say, well, we're going to make you wait an additional three years before you can drink. Why? Because we recognize the need for maturity and responsibility. In fact, the only thing left for us to do would be to ban alcohol altogether. We tried that in this country once, and it didn't work. Run that by it's me again. Very well prepared it's not guy as crazy as it sounds. Just, just an executive at a beer company. Okay. She stops taking the meds, in which case she regresses quickly, I might add, according to the doctors. Once she becomes schizophrenic again, we get the diagnosis of insanity. Supreme Court has expressly held the Eighth Amendment prohibits executing the insane. They also held you can force Medicaid to make a person sane. They upheld forced medication to make a defendant competent for trial, not necessarily for punishment. Bobby, I can't think of anything else. You want to take her off the meds? And try and stop the execution on the grounds that she's insane. At a minimum, it could buy us time. The death penalty is vulnerable. Time is time. What do we have to lose? That is a fascinating gambit they're going to try. How much money does the alcohol industry make per year? A lot. You're a major manufacturer. I'm sure you can get more specific than a lot. Can't you, Mr. Kerr? It's in the billions. It's close to 120 billion a year. 120 billion. Which contributes to a healthier U.S. economy, Mr. Young, and employs hundreds of thousands of Americans. Thank you for that. 
And how much money creator. does your company spend to build or contribute to treatment facilities for alcohol abuse? We make beer, Mr. Young. We're not in the hospital business. The answer is zero. No, it is not. We donate a great deal of money to prevention programs. A great deal? More or less than 1% of what you spend promoting alcohol use. Hey, since it's voluntary... Less than 1%? I'd have to check the figures. Well, I have some figures. Your industry takes in $120 billion a year. 15 million Americans struggle with alcoholism. Look, our product is only dangerous when used excessively. So is aspirin, for that matter. Aspirin? You're just like aspirin? You understand my point, counsel. When used responsibly... You advertise to young people? Not underage, we don't. Your key target demo is 21 to 25-year-olds, isn't it? Which is perfectly legal. What research do you do to make sure those ads intended for 21-year-olds don't influence 19-year-olds? Look. Are you aware, sir, that underage kids are drinking your beer? We take every step to ensure that doesn't happen, but parents have to take some responsibility. You're aware. Minors, drink your beer. Whilst on principle I agree with this, I find it a little tricky. Elaborate. Uh, I mean, I, I, agree, I agree with you, but I'm curious what your point is. Uh, I mean, like one brewery. Uh, now, if the case, if, if the argument is that they knowingly were letting this minor come in and like sit at the bar and drink all night, that's, that's a different case. But Completely. to have tacit yeah. knowledge that minors potentially are purchasing your beer, like there's, as long as you're doing due diligence to advertise, you know, as 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 bare minimum, as I'm sure some of the advertisement is to that it's 21 and older or whatnot, I it I find it somewhat difficult that you're solely responsible, you know, for this disc. Yeah. you know what I mean. No, I I I I agree, and I think it's going to be um, interesting at the conclusion of this to sort of pick apart the similarities and differences to some of the other people they've taken swings at like the tobacco industry and, and where I think there are some pretty substantive differences between a and B there. Now, you know, obviously we can, and also point to the real world um, lawsuits that sort of took down tobacco advertising, right? And right. um, we haven't really done. We have. It's interesting that we haven't really gone that route with uh, beer. There's still obviously. Um, well, the and they they've actually been beer is much different. And they've been loosened over the years because if, mm -hmm. if you uh, if you watch now, you watch your hockey or your uh, football or whatever. There's advertising for hard alcohol. When we mm -hmm. were kids, you could not advertise hard alcohol on television. So, like, you couldn't see, like, a new Amsterdam vodka commercial uh, when we were watching when we were kids. It's a very interesting. I guess once yeah. post-prohibition, post, pro, they've been much less um, yeah. active in that sort of uh, arena. The only place we're you could see an advertisement for hard sometimes. alcohol was sometimes? your dad's Playboy from You're 1982. Aware. You found under under the, uh, under the counter. Yes, the global you, Keith. The global you. For 12% of the consumption of all your beer, aren't you? That figure is debatable. And that over 90% of all the alcohol consumed by underage drinkers is for binging. Is that debatable? We do not target underage drinkers. Well, according to the Surgeon General, over half of all high school juniors and seniors drink, but you don't target them. We make it our business to curtail underage drinkers. Really? 
Besides those sex and alcohol commercials, what else? Objection. What the hell do you do to curtail it? Objection. Two-thirds of underage drinkers buy their own beer, Mr. Carroll. That's a vendor problem, oh, not... Oh, I see. It's not your problem? You just make the stuff and put the logo on blimps? Objection. Mr. Young. This kid couldn't so much as watch a baseball game Mr. without Young. hearing your jingle, Mr. Carroll, and he's dead. He's dead. Mr. Young, that's enough. And you sit here testifying nothing you can do. Keith, nothing am I mistaken? You can do. This Michael looks Barry. like an old school green screen. Really? That does not look like he's Besides holding up an actual Besides those sex and photograph. alcohol commercials, what else? Oh, I Objection. Think he is. What the hell do you do to curtail it? Objection. Think about how much more it would cost for them to green That's screen enough. it in 2003 than just get it printed. And you sit here testifying nothing you can do. I don't know. The aspects look, it, it looks different Nothing you can do for Michael Barry. The fantasy like football guy? I mean, it's passionate. I don't know if the logic holds. Go off my medication. The Supreme Court has said we can't execute the insane. It's our last best shot. Up until now, we have argued don't kill her. She's not the monster she used to be. And now you want me to go off my medication so that you can argue don't kill her. She is the monster she used to be? Yes. Yup. And then after Yikes. that, we'll argue that it's cruel <clears throat> and unusual to keep you insane, and we'll hopefully get you on the meds again. Oh, that sounds perverse. It sounds absolutely terrible, but one hell of an and acting And they challenge. will no doubt try to force medicate you. It's been upheld in the past, but I have a better chance at beating it. That's straight fucked up. How long after but, you stop taking the medication? But, I think it speaks to how fucked it, it up. How long. fucked up it is that we kill people. Well. Okay. I'm gonna draft no up the document stating there. your intent. I'm gonna need you to sign them while you're still competent. My intent being, you don't want the meds under any circumstances. I will go crazy, Ellen. You do realize that. All right, well. This is absolutely insane, but I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, and the logic holds. I mean, as illogical Alcohol as the system is. Alcohol is part of the American culture. I know it. I get it. You want to know what else is part we of the American culture? It's closing time. Very, very specific time to put subculture. your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, you're closing. We drink to our health. We drink in front of our kids, be it eggnog at Christmas, mint julep at Kentucky Derby parties, St. Patrick's Day. And we romanticize it, don't we? Win a World Series or a Super Bowl, out comes the champagne on national television. Our best athletes, role models for physical fitness, watch them drink. Hey, it's our culture. Like I said, I get it. But you know what? They never really warn you about the downside. 15 million Americans are alcoholics. 15 million. 
and the statistics, they go on and on. It's the number one teenage drug problem, the number one drug problem in college, one quarter of all emergency room admissions, almost a third of all suicides, one half of all homicides, rapes, one third of traffic fatalities, alcohol related. It is the leading cause of mental retardation, fetal alcohol syndrome. The cost. Those us, stats are kind of eye-opening. And our economy, over 185 billion in lost productivity. Healthcare expenses, crime, car crashes, and other costs. The cost to Margaret and Joshua Berry, their son. The cost to Sheila Berry, her brother. This was a decent kid. B student, shy, good athlete who started having a few beers with his high school buddies, who developed an addiction to a drug that ended up taking his life. This industry makes upward of $100 billion a year, a lot of it coming from kids, children, and however much they deny it, they target those kids with their advertising. They buy time on the programs these kids watch. We've all seen the ads. They're funny, drinking is hip, it's cool, it's now, it kills. It kills. And they just take the money, a lot of it. During the course of this three-day trial, the alcohol industry made another billion dollars. Now, we're a capitalist society. Like I said, I get it. But when you contribute to the death of human life, over 100,000 lives every year, how can you not take some responsibility? It can't always be about the money. That's what I don't get. Mr. Young says, we've committed fraud. He's wrong. We sell an honest product honestly. We are not tobacco. The tobacco company lied about the risks associated with smoking. The risks of drinking have been known for thousands of years. And so have the benefits. We drink with our friends to relax, to celebrate. There are social benefits to responsible drinking, and we all know it. The problem is with alcohol abuse. And the question is, what do we do about it? What we've done so far is to pass a multitude of regulations. My client has complied with every one of them. We have raised the drinking age. We've mandated warnings on every bottle of beer. We now have dram shop acts, making people liable who serve alcohol. You could be sued today just for throwing a party. We have done everything humanly possible. In truth, the only thing left to do is ban alcohol. And we've already tried that once with spectacular failure. Because, as Mr. Young correctly points out, drinking is in our culture. We're always going to have that cocktail. And no jury, no act of Congress, will ever, ever prevent it. I'll say this. Mr. Young is disingenuous when he says that we're all about money, and they're not. They are in here today asking you to award them money. Well, I won't be disingenuous. We're a business. 
lawsuits, judgments, they become a cost of doing business. And I don't have to tell you who that cost always gets passed back to. You can't bring back Michael Berry. I so wish you could. But all you can really do, unfortunately, is raise the price of beer. Because, like he told you... He was doing so well, and then that's like the culture. worst possible argument you can make. I get it. I see what he's doing, though. He's like, you got all his prize. Well, I, see what, I see what he's doing, but like... We go in the court when? Like, Next the week. The reason not to do Obviously, this is so you don't pay an extra quarter for the beer. Chances. And if we lose, it's better to die crazy than sane. Yes. Listen, um, given that... I probably should put in my goodbyes to people now, right? Assuming that by this time next week, I may not even know who my friends are. How are you feeling now? Anxious, little. Nervous, I guess. I'm not sure what from. I'm, I don't know if it's because I have come off my medication or whether it's because I'm getting closer to a lethal injection, but either way, uh, it's worse than the root canal, isn't it? You already seem hyper that's the first stage you know oddly i talk a lot more in the beginning and then then i become withdrawn this is my nervous stage the good news is that there is a heightened clarity that comes with it so okay interesting These with the camera the documents work. Mm -hmm. It's Camera's always the moving as a living to represent will. her it expresses your intent spiraling out not to be given the psychotropic drugs under any circumstances i need you to sign it and date it it's unsettling. Okay. It's, it's good direction by Christina Mussery. Shouldn't this be notarized? It is necessary. If they argue you lacked capacity, it just plays into our claim of incompetence. Okay, if we win, how are you going to get me back on the drugs? Assuming I want to go back on the drugs. I saw this Why coming. wouldn't you want to go back on the drugs? Oh, I have to admit, I, I, I feel less dull. But you said when you really regressed... True, true. Um, I guess what... I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but in the experience I've had with um, friends and colleagues who suffer from mental illness, uh, specifically schizophrenia, I'll, I'll use that because that's a specific example I have. An interesting uh, connective thread in the people I know is that very thing, that when, when off the medication, um, specifically paired with uh, symptoms of uh, paranoia and... Um, the anxiety uh, often and delusion often do not want to be medication because it, it they uh, experience it as threatening and as yeah. people trying to uh, take advantage of. So that's an interesting wrinkle here because the whole purpose here is they're using it as this loophole, but the consequence could be you then leave the person uh, impaired. Right, which is why you get back to the forcing them to be on the meds, which is and like we go around in a circle. It's interesting. I would like is a um, an adjustment in the meds to keep me where I am now. I mean, I, this this is a good state where I am now. I feel more clear. Denise, first, let's work on keeping you alive. Right. Such a fascinating acting challenge. Jury's they back. Pick, they picked the right person. What? Sure did. They have a verdict. Uh, 
What's wrong? They could never have computed the damages in an hour. Which means? They didn't have to. They found no liability. Well, maybe they're just angry enough they picked a big number and said screw them. Let's go. Thanks for being that optimist, Jimmy. Fake snow, yeah, yeah. It's still fake snowing in Los Angeles. Oh, the weather outside is fine, but we're gonna fake it. <laughs> All right, verdict number one for the day. Members of the jury, you have reached a verdict. You damn right. We have, Your Honor. Your Honor, could I have a two-minute recess? We have an offer we'd like to propose to the plaintiff. Your timing is curious, Mr. Grundle. Until that verdict is entered, this case isn't decided. It's Friday. I'm not bringing this jury back. You have two minutes. What's the number, Pete? I don't know. I'll confer with my client. It's got a two-minute clock, Eugene. And it's final. Excuse me. Please. Man, playing it close. Don't anybody scream. 1.6 million. Why? What? He must have been authorized to settle if he didn't like the faces of the jury. Something tells him we've won, and a verdict against them is too devastating, even if it's overturned on appeal. Sh should we take it? It's a lot of money. Let's take our chances. What? You said that they couldn't possibly have computed damages so fast. Maybe they did pick a big fat number, and if we got them, oh we'll no, let them Keith, off. I know 1. where this is going. Is a lot to walk away from. Not enough to make them hurt. And if the idea Excuse is me one second. Eugene and Jimmy switch places real fast. This is a verdict that could send a message, Jimmy. We're this close. It's not about sending a message. It's about getting a result for our client. And 1.6. The faces on those jurors. We don't know what those faces mean. I realize you may want to stick it to the alcohol in this. I'm only family. thinking about the client. It's got nothing. What is oh. going on? We're divided. I think you should take it. Eugene votes to reject it. I have a feeling. That's all I can say. It's not a science. Meanwhile, they're they're all standing up, having this. While the, the entire court the sits silently says. around Joshua, them. Eugene, if you want to make them pay, 1.6 is a drop in the bucket. Mila, Keith, the I'd, jury I'd, can, like, hear this. Let's reject it. I'd already be on the plane to Bermuda. Well, you're not looking to send a message, are you, then? The offer's rejected, Your Honor. Very well. Mr. Foreman, what say you? In the matter of the estate of Michael Berry versus Portis Brewery on the count of wrongful death, we the jury find in favor of the plaintiff and order the defendant to pay compensatory damages in the amount of $700,000. We further order the defendant to pay punitive damages in the amount of $125 million. Defense moves for a judgment notwithstanding the verdict. Denied. We Whoa! appeal. So noted. Members of the jury, thank you for your service. Keith, did we get a You're win? You're excused. And this matter is oh, adjourned. We certainly did. The score tells us we did a hundred million dollars. Which 
hundred and something, which they get 30% of. So like if this goes through after appeals and all that kind of shit, it's like $30 million for the firm. Can we, can we, let's discuss Jimmy's partnership. Let's discuss some equity. I mean, it's time guys. Let's get a a new office. Yeah. Come on. Like the, the hole in the wall where that old man was hiding in Lindsay's new office. Can we address? (laughs) (laughs) This will be appealed. It'll be a long time before you see any money, but this, this is a good start. I don't know what to say. Neither do I. Of course they made Jimmy wrong. Wow. Yeah. Wow. God damn, Steve Harris is great too. So, wait, that's the end of the episode? Oh, okay, we gotta continue. I tried to persuade her to come to the visiting room. It's okay, is she all right? I think so, she just doesn't want to come out, and I didn't really want to force her. Oh boy. Denise? Hi, I'm I'm sorry, I I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't feel safe. I know it's not rational, and and I realize that I am just a couple of pills away from feeling better, but even so, I mean, do you mind? I just, I feel more comfortable in here. No problem. What's the news? There is no news. I just came by to tell you that all the doctors are lined up, the appeal is being drafted, and we're ready to file as soon as... As soon as I arrive at my destination? Basically. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm heading into that. I, I don't feel like being inside my skin part, but I'm all right. Listen, I'm going to stop by daily and check up on you, okay? This is fucked up. You know where to find me. I don't travel much. It's just as well. It's not safe, is it? I mean, having them, the two of them together is amazing. To be continued on the practice. Okay, folks. Well, there we are. That has been the practice season seven, episode 11. It's now time, if you care, to hop back to the YouTubes and listen to our after show show. And we are back, baby. We are back, and now it is time for our most birthdayed after show yet. And uh, we begin with one of my favorite segments. It's one we call. Hmm. Two, three. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment! Segment! Oh, baby, the countdown's not here, but I'm going to give it to you real quick. We're suing drinking because uh, a poor boy lost his life. Is the industry at fault at a whole? And also, we're making a lady go off her meds and uh, go into a really manic state so that we can possibly save her life. Uh, And, uh, you know, shit's going to continue. Yeah, wow. Wow. It was exciting. All right. Can you do that again? Just, you know, fewer syllables. I'm going to try, but I don't think any of the things are working. So uh, let's see. Fun. What oh, okay. That's good. Oh, my God. 
we're back. Oh, oh, that that didn't work correctly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Great, just leave it there. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> booze biz finally pay a bunch of questions this week, Keith. Booze biz finally pays? Question mark. Gotta be crazy to live? Question mark. Where is Rebecca? Question mark. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, agreed on all counts. Now, uh, do we have like a some sort of award show that we do at the end of these things? I vaguely remember something. Does it have like a jingle or Ladies a thing? Here it is. Oh, the that Out of Practice podcast. In unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the Oopsies? Well, Jackie, they are a fake award show. That always begins with, listen, folks, listen, lean in. Most valuable Oh, hey. Um, yeah, you have to answer the question. Well, hey, guys, we uh, are, like, really rich now because of Eugene and Jim A. And Eugene not only did great lawyering, he held up a big picture and he like plan B'd, but like, but he, but he plan A'd the plan B'd. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. was, was like a primary plan B. Some would call it a plan A, I guess. Uh, and then on top of his excellent lawyering skills, Keith, he used his... I'm guessing dramatic dead brother's intuition to to gut feel that the mm. 1.6 was a mere pittance compared to what he could feel in the sheer mm. uh, energy of the courtroom. So for his sixth financial sense, for his justice for his brother and for holding up a gigantic picture i think eugene young is the most valuable lawyer uh yeah no obviously uh eugene killed it and uh so mostly for holding up the not cgi'd picture it's eugene young winning your most valuable lawyer next up, everybody stretch. We don't have to do the durst this time. Here we go. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. entry time. on your IMDb. So Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. <sighs> I hurt myself. Um... Yeah. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Keith, tell them who. Tell them what they've won. Well, uh, it is one of the rare guest actors on the practice. Not universal, not exclusive, but one of the rare ones that I own an action figure of. What? It's Alfrey Woodard. Woo! 
This is this this is her from Star Trek First Contact. Amazing. There it is, Lily. We'll talk about her in an upcoming episode of Look at My Star Trek Toys. Uh, but for now, I mean, yes, obviously, we will have a lot to say about Alfred Woodard's performance when we see the completed arc of her uh, descent into uh, her mental illness and we try to rescue her probably coming up next week on the practice because it was a to be continued but uh yeah i mean what a showcase uh excited to see where it goes because this was sort of like laying a lot of groundwork um but uh, very excited to see where this goes uh couldn't have handed it to a more capable actor congratulations alfred woodard on your best Yes, actor part one of the practice coming up next. Let's get our tears out. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. I think we mentioned it. Steve Harris is great. He's always great. Michael Bataluka was great. Uh, Steve really had a, a great, I think, latter half of the episode specifically. Um, that like courtroom scene was cool. Uh, but I think Cameron, this is her episode and she, we, we've talked about this before and this is another example when the, the magic that really happens when some of, and, and it's usually Cameron they give these honors to because she's just, she's earned it. When they put her on set with just another dynamic actor, uh, it sparks fly. Uh, and this is one of those. Even in these are not like because it's the beginning of the descent, as as you said, Keith. There's not. It's not like sparks are flying. We're not throwing chairs. We're not. You know, nothing. There's nothing bombastic. However, just two people at the height of their craft, uh, trading lines, existing in the world together. Uh, it, it coupled with great direction that shows a progress uh, and and expresses some internal things externally, visually. Uh, just some great scene work by Cameron, and uh, I think uh, she gets the oopsie this week. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Cameron is always amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, she did terrific work here. And uh, but I feel like this is the prelude, and mm-hmm. uh, for okay. me, I think it's Steve Harris's episode. Great. I think, uh, you know, I would have liked the the subtext with the brother to have been layered in a little bit more than it was. It felt a little shoehorned at the last second, E, but that's not his fault. Uh, we'll talk about that more in the oopsies. But uh, for me, it's Steve Harris. So we are split this week with Cameron Mannheim and Steve Harris. Coming up. Uh, the man does no splits, but it is a pretty good quarterback sneak. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. It was so nice to watch them lose yesterday, wasn't it? Oh, uh, um, yeah. That's what I did on my flight, and it was excellent. Um, so, uh, um, Keith, oh, man, I can't, I'm going to give you a nice one. So we're, this is, the Tom Brady Award for Tom, being Tom Brady is, Tom Brady's descent into madness. Ah. Uh, whilst riding a shark. Tom Brady's descent into madness 
whilst riding a shark, wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Hooray! Oh, shit. That'll be fun. You're going to be... I, oh, my God. I cannot wait for the Oopsie Awards because you're going to be so fucking pissed off at me. Oh, my God. No, we're not... We're, that, the first that, see, three, that, you're going to have so much fun, and then it's just going to be just like bullshit. Yeah, uh, it always is. It always <laughs> is. But that's why I'm going to play your rap like six times. <laughs> I deserve it. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And possibly just the isolated audio of just the rap without the music. Because <laughs> that would be by far the best part. All right, folks, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Um, so... I've said, I feel like a broken record. I've said this a few times. I think the questions we pose here are really interesting, both in both cases. I really am interested by the premise of both cases. I think the performances across the board, excellent. So already we are starting strong. I think the direction as a whole was very strong. The writing's where I think it's let down a little bit. I think you alluded to it. Um, motivations, uh, we get that one scene where like Eugene's just staring at a picture of his brother and I, I, we're supposed to, that's supposed to do a, a lot of the heavy lifting into the, the second act. And the reason why it bothers me a little bit is I, I understand it. I think as, as emotional, uh, I love any sort of backstory we get with Eugene. I like to know a little bit about the divorce. I like to know a little bit about, you know, I think he's a very complex character. I enjoy as much uh, lore as we can get. The problem I have with it is that pretty universally, regardless of, he Eugene is the opposite of Bobby, right? He he doesn't bring that shit into the courtroom generally. He doesn't let it cloud his judgment generally, um, which is why we always pick him. We want him on our side, right? Right. And so here it feels a little kind of out of character that he would turn down 1.6 million. He seemed pretty adamant that they had lost this judgment, right? He right. that was what. His, and then it, it it they the direction and the acting leads me to believe that. It's based, his gut wasn't his gut. It was he wanted to stick it to him, right? So unless there was some divine intervention he was getting from his brother, which would be kind of schlocky, which is sort of, sort of, uh, uh, I'm sort of inferring, um, mm -hmm. which feels a little schlocky. It, 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 it seems, though we win, uh, it seems like Jimmy was right. It feels like that was a, a bad decision on Eugene's part, a really un Eugene decision. And then we decide, and we I want to discuss this with you as writers, we then reward it, right? I, because I think maybe rather than like what could have happened or should have happened or what should have happened dramatically, I think they were feeling like we need a win. We need a win for Eugene. We need a win for the season. Let's, I think, let's, let's. Whereas in this one case, like we always talk, it's the opposite. Had they lost and Eugene had fucked up, done fucked up for this family, Maybe that would have felt, we've already trod that beat a couple of times. We did it with Bobby. We did it with, I mean, we've we've gone down that road. So maybe they were just like, we need to do something different. Um, maybe they have, they'd kind of written themselves in the season up into a corner. So I'm left a little like, I'm glad we won. Uh, but then like Eugene's look to, you to, Eugene does a look to, to Jimmy afterwards. This like smile and smirk that like felt a little hokey to me, even from Steve. I don't know. I I, I I didn't dislike it. I just feel a little like that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like that's how that would have gone. Um, but he did say to the to the family that maybe they just they decided or Jimmy said 
maybe they just decided to stick it to him right away. And and that's turns out is what happened. So, uh, I'm okay. We don't really answer. We don't really. I don't really. I don't believe the answer. Like I, I get we're just sticking it to them, but it's funny that we did the almost the same exact thing happened in, in another case, and then they threw away the judgment, right? So, right. What was different this time? And I guess that's what you were saying before. Like we should we should try to pick apart beat by beat what what was different and if that's earned, um, dramatically. So I'm I'm on a fence about it. In the other case, a really interesting question. And generally, nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, I'd say this is more ethically wrong. We should not do this to this woman. However, when we juxtapose that with it's her literal life on the line. And right. I think they did a, a decent job uh, justifying that her her cha- her change and what uh, look, hard to say this. Taking her, taking our feelings about like whether we should have the death penalty at all off the table, and just looking at look, we have it, and this is this woman's on death row. Does she deserve to live? Um, I know you, your argument's gonna be everybody deserves to live. So, but I, I'm taking this this viewpoint of just in this case, I think they did a, a, an admirable job of of justifying the warden's position at least. Um, and it and 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 enumerating the the that we've exhausted our other options, um, and I think where I think the most interesting wrinkle is in the seed that's planted. Let alone whether she gets off or not, but uh, how do we then pull her back from the from from the the new prison we've put her in? Right, is mm. saving someone's life, but making that life in a sort of literal hell that they believe is is what they want now. That's a really that's a great ethical question. That's a great quandary to put us in. And so that's one of the most the I think most interesting plot beats we've had all season. Maybe in the series. You know, we've had another death penalty case that we loved with with Jimmy and this one's shaping up to be equally fascinating. So um I'm I'm pretty happy with where we have been in this episode. I thought everything was good. I yes, the Rebecca thing's pissing me off, but I can't. I'm trying not to let that cloud everything. So, I'm gonna say 8.42 spare tires. Yeah, yeah. Let me. Uh, I'll work backwards. I'll let me talk about Alfred Woodard's case first, um, since that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I really like. I really like this case and this idea um, for a lot of different reasons. One, we're talking about a bigger picture thing. We're talking about an injustice. We're talking about a difficult moral quandary, um, you know, for for everybody. And that there's this, the ethical issues, you know, you talked about putting her in a second prison. I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, ethically, that's terrible. But in order to save her life, that because it changes the context of it and whether or not somebody who is schizophrenic and committed their crime during a bout of schizophrenia should be liable in the same way as somebody else i mean we're we're getting people off by by uh reasons of insanity right and left on this show how did she end up on death row if she was in a schizophrenic haze when she committed the act um but that's a thing that happens all the time. It's happening in real life constantly. And so bringing our attention to it, I like it. I like giving Alfred Woodard the chance to 
perform this. I love the casting. I love having it be against Eleanor. Um, I'm very curious to see where it goes. Uh, but I definitely, um, I like that very much. And I'll, I think we, I'll save talking about the specifics of the case and uh, what's going on there till after next episode where we see where it's all going. But I like where we're headed. I like the road that we are on. Um, the, uh, the alcohol case is very interesting. Um, especially since 2003, me and me today would have very different points of view on this case. 2003 me would be very much on Eugene's side and very much, um, on the side of, yeah, let's get these bad guys. <laughs> Whereas today, and I think this was a missed opportunity with the episode. It, we sort of put the alcohol industry in the same bucket as the tobacco industry or the asbestos or, or something like that. And I don't think it's the same, you know, regardless of what you feel about the industry and the liability of, it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I thought that they relatively well articulated pushing back on that idea, but winning the case the way we did felt muddy to me in terms yes. of what is the show's point of view. Now, of course, because uh, because of the soundboard, I have to write my notes by hand, like somebody from the 90s. Um, so I don't know if I'll know this, but I, I think there's a couple distinctions between if I were going to go to alcohol and cigarettes. A being inherently addictive as opposed to being biologically predisposed, you know, either nature or nurture, some combination predisposed to addictive, uh, you know, it, it is addictive, but it's not inherently so in the way and, and not intentionally. So, uh, like it is in tobacco. Um, also when used as directed, it's not harmful to you in the way that tobacco is or asbestos or some of these things which are, when used as directed, harms you. Um, you know, and so then, is it dangerous? You're damn right. And I thought that, um, you know, Eugene's talking about how alcohol is an influencing factor in so many of these things. Um, you know, murders and deaths. And, and it's that's very sobering. And that's something, you know, that... It, the the alcohol industry must be aware of and must have some accountability in trying to mitigate the effects of. Um, but so are cars. You know, when used as directly, a car is not unsafe, but it kills tons of people when not used responsibly, when used by somebody too young, when used by somebody impaired, uh, so on and so forth. So I don't I don't think it quite bears out. Um, you know, the, the other question that I had just from the standpoint of the writing of the believability of it was the, uh, the plaintiff standing to, to make this lawsuit, um, you know, a, from the standpoint of like, you know, I think they, they did name check sort of, um, immunity of alcohol companies from lawsuit, that kind of stuff. But I think, um, you know, and because like, they weren't 
really making an argument about what they did wrong other than the advertising part but that's sort of all been you know that that's all been legislated before that's all that's all been addressed before and beyond that from the standing point of view why were they allowed to sue this particular brewery mm. and you know just because that's the one my kid drank before it wasn't even the thing that killed because you know it, it transferred to hard alcohol that's what ended up killing him it wasn't even the thing that killed him it was like you're you're suing the you're suing marijuana for heroin you know under the false pretense that marijuana is a gateway drug right which is not but but that but that was sort of the the, the thought of it and it's not the same it's not the same thing. So I, I just don't understand how the standing would happen here. I don't understand how this would be the verdict. I don't understand how the judge wouldn't have thrown this out. Um, you know, maybe that'll be an address and an appeal. It doesn't seem like that's coming. Um, and I didn't understand the, the, the show's point of view. Are we supposed to be rooting for this? I'm a little unsure. Um, we're supposed to be happy. I don't know. I, 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 I thought that that could have been better articulated. It seemed like, um, somebody had an axe to grind on this and, you know, I, I know I, I'm aware that I'm on the opposite side that I usually am in these cases. I'm always on the side of taking down the big corporation for their shitty behavior and the underdog. I, I'm always on that side, but this side, I think it's just a little bit different. Um, and, uh, would have liked to seen that articulated just a little bit better, uh, from a writing standpoint. The Eugene's brother thing felt very shoehorned in. Um, I would have liked to have seen that worked in beforehand. You know, there was mention of his brother a couple episodes back, but that was the first time we didn't even know he had a brother for the first, like, six seasons of the series. And now, if you're going to introduce the brother and give him this backstory that's motivating Eugene, you need to do it a little bit better than they did here. The last thing I'm going to say uh, is the financial windfall. You know, again, they did preface it by saying we're not going to see this money for a long time. But the financial windfall for the firm is a really big deal if this pans out. And I would have liked to have seen uh, a set that up better, too. Because we, we mentioned a little bit that we weren't doing so well with our bills or whatever. But if you're going to do, like, we're going to get a big financial win, set it up. Have season seven be about we're hemorrhaging money. We're mm -hmm. going to have to start firing somebody. We have these big problems. So that earning $30 million conceptually doesn't feel like that big of a deal. And it should be. It should be a big deal that you have a storytelling opportunity. Because we started off the series with like, how are we going to stay open financially? Then we do okay. And all right, so we're going to have a dip. Let's have a dip. Let's make that a story. And, uh, and then let's let's get the win and let's be satisfied by it. So it felt like we just there's just some I really like the concept, just some missed opportunities there. Well, um, that goes to the writing as a whole. Like, and I know it's hard to write seasons of a show when you don't know if you're going to be continued or, or canceled. And and in this type of serialized nature or, or uh, week to week nature, I get it. Um, but you know, a difference between the one the one the one time we won a big uh, settlement. Uh, and we freaked out because we were in trouble. We like we played those stakes, and then we had them take it away from us in typical kind right. of like uh, bait and switch fashion, which felt at the moment kind of worked. I felt like dramatically it was it was effective, 
But this week was the direct opposite, right? It was like, here's this huge settlement that we get to keep. I know pending appeal, yada, yada, taxes, yada, yada. But still, like you said, it was just like, it, it, they played it more about like, oh, what we did to the tobacco right. industry or uh, the, I keep, I mess up, the, the alcohol industry or not even the alcohol industry, this this brewery. This one brewery, right, yeah, right. Versus, uh, you know, it was more about the political stakes, right? Or the, the personal stakes for Eugene or the family. It was muddied. But even that felt shoehorned. It's yeah, like oh, the, totally. the, fi- yeah. the, the, the financial stakes were ignored. The emotional stakes felt rushed and unearned but and the counterpoint so, to that the thing you didn't you didn't really mention but i think uh, obviously i know you'll agree is they did i thought they did a really good job and, and i want to credit the actor who's the who was the the brewery's uh, attorney again oh uh itson yeah michael itson i think greg itson greg uh i thought he really did a great job Playing, I won't call it sympathetic, and the one, there was the one kind of schlocky, schlocky line, uh, villainous line where he's like, "Oh, well, you know." You don't uh, want your beer to be more expensive. Be, yeah. But I thought, with that exception, I'll you know, I'll I'll, I'll throw away the lowest score. Uh, I thought <laughs> he presented a really good case, an effective case. I mean, it's about it. Yeah, I thought his case was actually more based in a reality versus sort of ours almost. Uh, so yeah, that's to your well, point. and and the the guy who who worked for the beer company, I thought did an excellent job mm-hmm. of articulating all of that. And, you know, there, there's a lot of interesting questions about, you know, all right, so you make a product that can be dangerous, isn't inherently dangerous, but can be dangerous. What is your responsibility out in the real world about how you can protect people from the possible dangers, you know, and, and I think that's, you know, do do the do the alcohol companies do enough there? Hell no, and I think that's a very good. But that's thing not, to yeah, be right. But that wasn't the case. With. That's not no, what that, we that's, presented. That's not what it was about. Right. It was like, look at and this picture. Don't we feel bad? They well, they treated it more like the gun industry mm-hmm. when, as used as directive, killed something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like inherently, it's supposed to kill something and make it easier to kill. I don't know. Blah 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 blah. Also, um, we didn't talk about the repercussions. The the precedent that this case sets is right. enormous. Well, it takes us right back on the road to prohibition. Right. It's, it's so, because, and we don't like, I, I don't feel like we're going to discuss those stakes. It's more just like, well, a, and, okay. Well, and like this case, if you wanted us to root for them, it should have been that this beer company, either through their action or inaction, allowed underage kids access right. to it. I thought that's you know, what it was going to be. That I mean, that was that's, my, what, it, my, that's yeah. what it should have been. But they they wanted to like. That's not the story they wanted to tell. They wanted to conflate this with tobacco to with yeah. with all these things. And I and I I think that was just it was an overreach. It was an overreach on the on the point of the show. Anyway, well, we need to. You need to give me a number. Yeah. All right. I give you tires. I all that said, I did like the episode. So uh, eight point one three okay. spare. Tires. So still pretty good. Oh, yeah, not too bad. All right, so apparently we're going to fade to black. No, uh, we are black, but uh, I'm, uh, are we crashing? No, we're not crashed. I don't know what's happening. I'm trying to get us back, but uh, some we might be crashing. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't crash. We're so close. All we have to do, oh, all we have to yeah. do is the Easter egg. Why is this happening? I can't even change us. Wait, hold on. I might put us back. Okay, hold on. We're back. Hold on, All baby. Right. All right, we're getting there. 
Okay, we're there. So you know, I'm not hey! even editing. That's not hasn't even been editing. So sorry for those of you just listening. Uh, let's talk about the Easter egg, Keith. Is that Dana Carvey in the movie Master of Disguise? It certainly is. And how does that relate to us? I have no. I literally is it because I'm wearing a giant old man beard. Uh, no. It is commemorating Gregory Itzen's fourth character on the show. <laughs> Because the master of disguise is Gregory Itzen, plus the whole rest of the cast. Everyone here who had a speaking role was practically a two-timer. Wow, that's hysterical. Well done. Well done. One so, of your best. One of your finest. Okay, folks. Whether or not this was the finest episode of the Out of Practice podcast, it is Mike's birthday. And if you would like to wish Mike happy birthday... You can reach us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com on the social medias, Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're there, wish him happy birthday on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. We'll welcome you to the jury, you know, just for fun, some of the things that we do. I'll tell you, the other thing we do, we're grateful to our founding sponsors, including Jorge Novoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know you could get your name on that list? I know you want Keith to have to Photoshop, Photoshop something else. You could do so by sending us a little bit of your money. It doesn't have to be a $100 million settlement. It can be a one-time donation of any we'll amount of it, cents. Or, yeah, that's true. Or a monthly contribution for the remainder of this podcast, which it should only be another three to four years. Um, uh, what else do I usually talk about here? We appreciate <laughs> your support uh, for listening. Thanks for the birthday wishes. Do me a favor. Fire off some laser sounds. Then go change a costume. Fire off some more laser sounds. Change it to a third costume, more laser sounds, and then one final fourth costume and fire off some laser sounds. Laser sounds.